Welcome back to Line Noise 2017 Recap Part 2. I'm Philip Sherburn. And I'm Ben Cardew. And uh, in Part 1, uh, we were reminiscing. We left you on a, uh, on a boat on the Mediterranean. And in Part 2, we're going to enter the club, I think. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what's, what's your club experience of the year? What, what, uh, what flipped your lid? I mean, I don't get out all that much, uh, as, 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 as you know. Um, but, uh, I managed to see some really good things this year. Like there were some great things, uh, at Sonar. I wanted to just very briefly, uh, shout out, uh, a DJ I saw at Sonar called Mean, M-I-I-I-N. Um, I think that's Mean, Min. Uh, who is a Korean producer and DJ. And I stumbled across uh, Sonar. It was hot day. I was looking for somewhere to go. And it was one of those, you know, nothing particular I wanted to see on. But I was like, okay, well, this sounds quite interesting. And it was the best thing I saw at Sonar, I think. Um, and it just totally blew me away. She plays what she calls it Xeno Dark Music. Don't really know what that means. It was quite quite dark. And but when I when I came in, she was playing like sort of junior Vasquez-ish house music, like all rolling sort of drums. Tribal. Exactly, which I quite like. I was like, oh, I haven't heard this kind of thing for a while. Um, but it turned out that was one track, and then she played what some, some K-pop. She played drum and bass. She played uh, Rihanna's Diamonds. She played Grime. It was all over the place, but it, but not. But in a way that really, Had really... Had a through line somehow. Yeah, yeah. Everything sort of made sense and i couldn't quite tell you what what the sense was but it just <laughs> and uh, people like the crowd was pretty big but people were absolutely loving it. and she played rahana's diamonds which it's quite a good pop song i'm not gonna pretend it's one of my favorite songs but it just worked perfectly and people were just like, screaming and emotional and i uh, there's few things i like more than just stumbling across someone you've never seen know nothing about and they're absolutely brilliant so well done mean um yeah i like you i don't i don't get out uh nearly as much as i used to nearly as much as i would like to um for me sort of primavera sonar and unsound are my three chances to actually hear a lot of music uh this year i managed to make it out to the pitchfork music festival in chicago which was a treat uh as well um but for me i think the 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 set of the year had to be Laurel Halo and Eli Kessler at Unsound this year. Um, I mean, I've seen Laurel Halo quite a few times over the years. Every time it's been quite different, um, just like her her albums are. I mean, every time it's kind of a... Every time she records, it's something different. And this time, she was... I, I don't know what instrument she was playing. Um, I was on the side of the stage away from her, and I couldn't see. I asked her later... Uh, what it was, and she said it was a uh, blues smoke detector. <laughs> I'm pretty sure she was kidding. Um, but she was with Eli Kessler, who's a New York percussionist and drummer, and he was on uh, a drum kit and playing all, like very sort of jazz-oriented uh, drums. He's just like incredibly tight but loose at the same time. I mean, he, he's, he, he never was playing like a groove or a pulse or a rhythm. It was just like textures. Right. And she was playing this very sort of amorphous, diaphanous, almost dissonant stuff on her keyboards. Um, there was a little bit of vocals in there. Um, it was very much like her album Dust, um, but it was just like drifting all over the place. 
an unbroken hour of music and it was it was phenomenal that was by far um my highlight uh, and uh we both saw her dj you you were in fact were supporting her um and uh this was in a small room in barcelona sort of 300 capacity or something like that and she was sensational yeah at, at Laut new space yeah Laut which if if you're visiting Barcelona I thoroughly recommend it's sort of a it's a small uh it's more like 200 or 250 maybe it's it's really not big and it's they put on kind of adventurous music it's one room there's no sort of going off and seeing other things um but they put on some really great music like B12 played and I miss them um and <laughs> but Laurel Halo made up for it because she was she was so so great like really kind of hard but weird you know mm-hmm. like quite sort of it, it felt a lot of it felt quite british you know a lot of like weird british productions um sort of quite like post dubstep is a horrible word but you know what i mean like those weird bassy sort of things well uh, you can really hear her hyperdub affiliation in yeah. the dj sets because she's playing a lot of that kind of music i mean not just not just what's on the label but kind of everything within that orbit you know these sort of like 135 to 140 bpm um a lot of um kind of broken beats and sort of afro beats and uk funky the only track i knew was nidia formerly known as nidia minaj uh, her song underground off the portuguese label principe uh which was like oh i've never heard anybody dj that out before but it made perfect sense in that set well actually uh she also played uh, one track, bring us back to what we were talking about before. She also played uh, a track from the Sinjin Hawk uh, record. Okay. First opus, uh, which was Nailgun. Nailgun. Well, Nailgun, which uh, I had never heard out before. And again, it's it's pretty weird, um, informed by the same kind of things. And it sounded really good, really live, like in a small, intense room. It's just this weird, like, like kind of out of time, but not. And it was a massive highlight. I thought that was great. I um in putting together my my list of my favorite um online mixes for Pitchfork this year, uh, I included Laurel Halo's Disc Woman set in that. I think Disc Woman twenty seven. I'm not sure, but um, it's funny because I heard that before I saw her DJ, and and I I really liked it. I wrote it up at the time, but I kind of actually made more it made more sense to me after having actually seen her play in a club it was like hearing the set well i wasn't really sure yeah it's 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 a strange thing it's like seeing her play that music in a similar style everything kind of fell into place for me in a way and what about the album dust yeah it's a it's it's phenomenal and it's funny because it did not connect with me at first no at all. agreed agreed okay i'm not the only one um, I don't know if part of that had to do with the vocals. I think a lot of it probably did have to do with the vocals, which is not all her. It's also um, Klein and somebody else. Oh, there's a lot of people um, on the record. I but yeah, it's it it's yeah it it um I found it off putting. I found the I just I couldn't get into it. I couldn't find a way in. Um, it kind of like kept pushing me away, and and I didn't go back to it for many many months, and then. Really, when it came time to be list season again, um, I put it on almost sort of as out of a sense of obligation, like, well, right. I should see what this was all about. And somehow it clicked. And I went and I started listening to it a ton. Well, for me, it was one of those records where um, I could hear there was something, but I couldn't quite get what it was. 
Um, and it was one of those records that I in no way wanted to review, if you see what I mean, because I did. Yeah. I, I knew I didn't quite. I I just didn't quite get it yeah. for the moment. It needed real time to sink in, and um, I for me it felt, if I might be slightly pretentious, it felt like a bit like Captain Beefheart. And mm-hmm. Trout Mask Replica. Because you know, like you hear that, like, what on earth is this? But like, there's something in there. And it's almost like, God, I've got to get this something. You know, this it, it's, it, it sounds out of tune. It sounds weird. It sounds deranged. But it's like, there's something. I can just tell there's something. And after about, after many, many listens, it clicks. Or maybe mm-hmm. it clicks. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's some sort of routine. Or maybe it doesn't always click. But when you're in the right mood, it does. You know, I, I like the fact that she, she'll go there. And like, she's not, she doesn't seem particularly concerned as to like whether you like it or you don't. It's like, here it is. This is what I did. This is, you know, and, mm. and react as, as you will. For me, I think the routine was after, um, after I'd seen her DJ, uh, I, I was thinking, actually, I really, really want to get into this album because th- this DJ set was very similar to my tastes. And I thought, okay. And it was the track Moon Talk. Okay. Which is a fantastic track. But it was the first one to click. And when one track clicked for me, I was like, oh, that's such a good tune. Like Dominoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It kind of fell. And then there's Jelly, which is another great track. Mm-hmm. And I ended, up, I ended up really loving it. But yeah, it took it took a while. Let's listen to a little bit of Moon Talk. Oh, my gosh. I think it's funny you said that uh, you didn't want to, or that that Laurel Halo's record was an album that you didn't want to review, um, and I know that feeling because you did review uh, Klein's Tommy on Hyperdub. Yes, Klein, who who collaborated with Laurel Halo, uh, also not an easy album to come to grips with. No, um, and but I, uh, that was another of the real standout albums of the uh, year for me. I think that was another one that should have been like, top ten on the list. I thought it was that good. I thought it was an absolutely astounding album, and um, it sounded sort of messy. But actually, the, the album was structured very well. That the first tune, prologue, kind of sums up exactly what it does. Like it starts off slowly with people sort of singing and you can hear the R&B influence and there's kind of a few piano chords and then it builds up and it, then as it builds it gets a little bit weirder and then a little bit and like by about three minutes in it's just like this 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 brilliant mess you know and that really helped because it was like it was like an introduction to what she did I actually hadn't heard her previous EPs when I reviewed it and I went back to them expecting the same thing and they're not like that at all they're really quite minimal but this was so noisy there was so many layers to it and then but i don't know how she did it that ever so often something would like float to the surface you're like oh there's that bit and something to like hang on to and then it'd just be back down again and actually i was quite i was quite surprised that when i when i reviewed it um somebody tweeted i do not like this at all <laughs> like, you know in a kind of good good natured way um because I, I can i can sort of understand that but it didn't feel like that obtuse to me in a way I, I found probably after a couple of listens i was into it it's funny because like that track prologue there's 
it functions in a funny way. Like you say, like it begins with kind of voices and like almost maybe some laughter. It yeah. sounds like people just in the studio kind of screwing around with, with uh, auto-tune and sort of taking the piss. And then it, it gradually kind of congeals into this, what it what it is. And it, it it's funny because to bring it back to the whole live thing, I saw her at Unsound as well. In fact, it, I think it was the set right before Laurel, Halo, and Eli Kessler. <laughs> that was and an intense night. Wow. It was a super <laughs> intense night. And she, without telling anybody else, um, like the organizers or anybody like that, she brought a DJ with her. And the first, I don't know, it felt like a long time. It felt like 45 minutes. Maybe it was less. It was just somebody who was not her, who was just DJing like, like, like rap and R&B and bass tunes up there. And she was like there in the booth next to the DJ, but it was like, clearly it was somebody else was playing the music. And I, I remember the, the organizers of the festival were like, this is not what was agreed upon. <laughs> the, what's going on here? And they were really kind of annoyed and a little upset because right. it went on for long enough that it was like, this, this is what she's doing, you know? And then at some point she gets up and she you know, behind the mic and she starts doing her own set and then she delivered a full set of her own music and it was, and it was phenomenal. It was wild. It was really great. And at the end she even apologized. She said something about how her laptop had crashed and she was right. sorry. And so I don't know if they were just kind of like buying time while her laptop real, I have no idea what happened there, but in the, but in retrospect, it was really cool because it was like, it was this total, like, it pulled out the rug from beneath you. Right. It reset your expectations. You're like, I don't know what's going on. I don't like this. This isn't what I <laughs> This isn't what I paid to see. And then it kind of turned into something totally different. And I, it made sense, given her music. And did she, live, did she sound like on the album? I mean, can she produce a sound like that live? I don't remember, like, in detail what how it compared to the album. I just remember it being very, I mean, strange and enveloping and engrossing. And yeah, it worked. Reminds me a bit of when I when I saw Lauren Hill a few years ago. And I love Lauren Hill. Um, and I was really excited to see it. But obviously, it's got a reputation for being quite late. And so uh, her DJ came on right, right. No, actually, her DJ was about 10 minutes late. But so she was meant to start, at, let's say, 11.30. And her DJ comes on at 11.40 and starts playing some songs. And then he plays some more songs. And then he plays some more songs. People, <laughs> people were really starting to boo. And he was like, he put on Bob Marley and people were like booing. And people were like, smells like Teen Spirit. And then like, people were just like, boo, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I thought it was going to turn nasty. It smells like Teen Spirit. I think so, yeah. Wow. It, it really was. Um, it was the kind of thing that it was sort of meant to be really crowd-pleasing. Like Bob Marley to a Barcelona crowd, you know. People <laughs> going like, but people were like, no, get off, get off. And then like, I guess the message must have got through because Lauren Hill then came on, but like sounded really bad. Like, like she came on, I think, with just an acoustic guitar and played some songs, and you know, not saying anything to the crowd. But it was brilliant. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, it, I think in a way, booing had really worked because she sounded furious. She's like, "All right, you want some music? Well, here you go then." And like, just real fire. Huh. Um, but that wasn't this year, so I don't know what that's doing in our review of the year. But there we go. Well, um, I mean, we've we've been talking a little bit about uh, we've been talking about about difficult music, shall we say? I feel like it's only right that we talk about some crowd pleasers right now. And if I could just take a moment to single out what I think had to be in dance music, in underground dance music, whatever you want to call it, what 
to me seemed like the anthem this year. Do you know what I'm going to say? I I think you're going to say theme from Q. Oh. No. no, but we can talk about theme from Q. Well, what were you going to say, Avalon? I was going to say Lenark Artifacts, Touch Absence. Oh, right. See, oh, okay. Well, that's... Sorry, Object. <laughs> well, I guess we're talking about two different, two slightly different worlds. I mean, like, because that's really more... Uh, Lanark is really more um, electronica, you know, IDM for want of a better term. Well, yeah, but you know, I mean, I guess what, what I find interesting is... Every, like, I don't get out that much. I do listen to a lot of sets online, but mm. I heard that track everywhere i heard an electro dj at unsound play it i heard it in i don't remember i think courtesy played it in right. her resident advisor podcast um just i i just heard it over and over and over again i think i played it at lout um i was talking with the guys from lapsus who, right. who do the booking at lout and we were laughing about it and they were like they all played it in every one of their sets at lout to me it was the set it was the track that you heard everywhere uh, even if it is sort of electronica, IDM, um, I heard it in club sets. And to me, it was like in a year where there wasn't a lot of consensus, that to me was the consensus. What I really loved about Lanark Artifacts is um, this year he seemed to step onto another level. Like his, oh, yeah. his, his first release, oh no, sorry, I don't have his first release, but the second one, the one I think from 2016. On Lee Gamble's label. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. It was all right. Um, but Whitey's Eleven was so good, a brilliant just step up. I mean, particularly Touch Touch Absence, but like the whole, the, all four tracks are brilliant, like mm-hmm. melodically really good, rhythmically impressive. I mean, I yeah, I was just totally blown away. And and before we talk about Object, which we will, I promise, Object, um, uh, Whitey's just had an incredible year as well. I mean, that Minor Science EP was was so good um very similar in a way to the lanark artifacts i mean kind of like taking idm tropes and and catapulting them into a contemporary context um avalon emerson had a, a brilliant yes. I, I think her best record on that label and i was looking at whitey's they only released about five six records this year but they were all really good yeah which yeah. is I, which yeah. is the way it's like like trip we were talking about Last time, few records, but each one is brilliant. Each one is like a highlight for the artist. You know, this for me was Avalon Emerson's best record, right? And that was Lana Artifact's best record, right? You know, and like, and also like last year. I mean, I paid attention to Whitey's. I liked Whitey's, but but this year Whitey's became really one of my top labels. You know, I mean, to me they're kind of a must hear label at this point, and and that that was a transformation this year, and I think that's really interesting. Uh, and if I may, I mean, one more fluorescent rush. Um, I know in previous podcasts I said I prefer the B side. I'd like to put it on record that I, I do. No, I no longer prefer the B side. I mean, I love the B side, but no, I think that's that's the tune for me. And if we're talking about Avon Emerson, can I just 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 say her remix of Slow Dive, Sugar for the Pill, was my remix of the year. I don't right. often have a remix of the year, but this year I had one, and it but was. But you created that. the category this exactly because that was perfect. That was just what I wanted. It's it was like somebody had asked me, "What would you like?" You know, <laughs> you've been good this year. Not that I have, but like if someone said, "You've been good this year," what would you like? And I'm like, "Well, I'd like a remix of Slow Dive that sounds like those remixes by you know Global Communication back in the '90s." And I was like, oh. <laughs> "Here you go, yeah, one, yeah, yeah."
All right, so now it's time. Let's talk about theme from Q. So, as I said, um, it wasn't my song of the year. Maybe we'll get to that later, but it was, it was certainly one of the top five, and it was just that song that seemed ubiquitous. Um, it was... A lot of DJs played it. Um, a lot of people talked about it. It turned up near... Uh, rightly, I think it turned up um, at the top of a lot of people's uh, lists. And I thought it was a really good example of maybe something we've seen quite a lot about this year, which is like s- slightly weird club music that throws in lots of different strange elements but still mm-hmm. really works. I mean, one thing I loved about that tune was it just had these slightly different weird bits. You'd be like, oh, what's that? A bit of drum and bass rhythm? Oh, well, yeah, okay, we'll go with that. Um, and so that, for me, is why it, it's kind of felt like that ubiquitous track, you know? It was, it's sort of structured like a DJ set in a weird way, right? I mean, it's like it doesn't... you. It, it's not like a lot of club tracks that it's like it introduces the idea and then it just kind of runs through them and repeats them and, and filters it and whatever. I mean, he it's like here's a part A, a part B, a part C. I mean, it really... It takes sort of a journey in, in miniature. Well, if I remember rightly, it's... Uh, he's trying to recreate. There's a club he used to go to called Q, I guess. I, I read about this. I've never heard of that place when I lived in Berlin. I, I it made me even wonder if they were sort of making it all up. But oh, do you think? I, no, I mean, I don't. <laughs> I, I, I sort of delved into it, and I found enough references to it that it seems like it was a real thing. If I remember rightly, the story was that there was this club called Q or something like that, and the owner had made this tune which was like the theme from Q, that no one, like they used to play all the time and everyone went, went mad, but it was never released. And now has been lost or something like that. And he was trying to recreate <laughs> it. It sounds very like Borgesian, really, when you get down to it. I Well, I hope it's true. I really, really <laughs> like that idea. And I think if I remember rightly, he was saying, and that was what the club was like. They would play a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, it'd be a little bit weird. It wasn't like all four to the floor. There'd be some breakbeats. And yeah, he just tried to recreate that. And... I mean, I hope it's true, but if not, if not, it's quite a nice tale for you know a backstory to have. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't set foot on a lot of dance floors this year, but certainly from what I heard on SoundCloud, I get the sense that like there was a lot of this sort of mixing and matching going on um, in DJ sets much more than a few years ago. Of you know, here's some house, here's some techno, here's some electro. Uh, we're going to shift the tempo, play a little drum and bass. Um, time and again, I would listen to a to a DJ mix and there would be the sort of almost obligatory like drum and bass segment. Um, and it was really refreshing to hear so much different kind of stuff being played out. I mean, I know that that's something that Object has done for a long time. It's something that his, his friend Call Super has done for a long time. Um, the Courtesy Resident Advisor podcast did a lot of that. Avalon Emerson had an amazing mix uh, live at Printworks London that was kind of similar. I mean, it's just these sort of switchbacking, sidewinding, stylistic, uh, yeah, almost meandering, but in, but in a very entertaining way. See, I love that kind of thing. I used to go to a lot of clubs when I was when I was young. Um, in in Manchester, there were clubs. Um, obviously, there were like house and techno clubs, but there was a club called the Electric Chair where they used to play a really broad range of of music, you know, and they'd get in everyone from, like, drum bass DJs to Carl Craig. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and I I kind of miss that. Sometimes when I'm, like, at a night that's just all 4-4, I think, oh, come on, just I'm playing something a little bit different, you know? Because it, it, I, I miss the idea that, you know, you can jump 
from styles. It doesn't have to be in another room. You're, you're not going to alienate people. And actually, one thing I liked about Theme from Q being so big is like, it's quite weird. And mm-hmm. yet it was the song of the year, and yet it was ubiquitous, you know. It wasn't some, like, minimal, repetitive, uh, frankly, rather dull, anthemic, or anthemic tune. It, it, it was odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally agreed. Um, maybe this is a good place to jump over to talking about sort of my obsession of the year, uh, only because they kind of encompassed a lot of these ideas also of um, the sort of the drift, the variety. Uh, and that's DJ Sports, DJ Central, and the whole Regelbau crew out of uh, Aarhus, Denmark. You have been their number one supporter this year. You've uh, How many times have you written about them this year? Uh, not nearly enough, to be honest. I mean, I, I guess I discovered them through DJ Sports' album right. on Firecracker, which... Um, Great album, one of my tops of the year. Uh, the first track is this sort of atmospheric drum and bass, reminded me of like LTJ Bookham or something like that. It then goes through sort of West Coast Deep House. It's very 90s. Um, there's some sort of brain dance kind of stuff on there, some stuff that sounds like plaid. Um, and through DJ Sports, I started digging a little more. Accelerator, to their credit, did a great feature on these guys a couple years ago. Um, it's like an 11-person collective from Aarhus, Denmark. Um, mainly, the main figures are DJ Sports, DJ Central, who is his brother, uh, somebody named CK. Um, there's also... Uh, I, I forget now. Um, man-made DJ. And there's some other people in the orbit. Right. Um, but I just started kind of buying up all of their records that I could get my hands on. Um, DJ Central did a handful on uh, uh, the Deck Mantel label out of Amsterdam. Um, one of my favorites this year was DJ Central and Erica Kassier, who's an R&B singer from Denmark. They did this beautiful record on the Regelbau label called Drive. It's this kind of ambient breakbeat tune. Um, Erica Kassier has these amazing lyrics Part of you is like Sunday on the highway, trying to get back before sundown ends the day. Everybody loves the sky at twilight. You never gave it much thought. You never gave it one. Which, it gives me chills every time. I love that. Um, And then DJ Sports did this amazing UK Garage remix on the flip, which is really, to me, the best like throwback garage remix, uh, garage tune I've heard since Mosca's Backs. Um, Just like textbook, absolutely perfect two-step tune um dj central also did uh he remixed erica de cassier's group saint cava um a tune called deeper he did this amazing sort of freestyle meets electro remix soundcloud only thing um i mean they were just all over the place dj central also did like an ambient house record as olo olo um he did a record as palta on the melody is truth label um, I mean, you could spend hours just like on Discogs, like following the thread of all of their different aliases and following all of their different, uh, all the labels. When you say you could, you mean you have. I have. <laughs> I have. One day I dropped 135 euros on one Discog seller who just happened to have a bunch of their back catalog. And that package went missing in the mail for weeks. No. I have not been more stressed out this year but it's arrived yeah yeah i got it it's great it's all phenomenal stuff one of the things i like about them um was the way in which they formed they sort of if i remember rightly they were people who were going out and kind of friends and they they kind of got together in that way and and 
to, was it to put on nights? Was it to distribute? They were records? buying records right. on right. Discogs. Oh, they yeah, they yeah. started a Facebook group uh, to like share the postage, basically, so that if one of them was like ordering records from Clone in in uh, in the Netherlands, you know, then somebody else would like put in and then they'd all split the postage which is really nice isn't it it's i, yeah. I just love that in that they got in from that into in, into making records and actually yeah. i really liked um a lot of the just the variety you know that it would one day be like this west coast house thing you'd be like oh not many people are doing that and then like ltj bookham's drama bass then uk garage and then the it? latest one is like free jazz like straight up wow. free jazz <laughs> like where'd that come from so if, if if anyone was listening to this, well, hopefully people are listening to this, but if anyone who's listening wanted to get into the uh, DJ sports world, the Regalbow world, what should they listen to? Um, well, I did a, I did a primer on Regalbow uh, on Pitchfork earlier in the year, and we'll throw up a link uh, on our socials so people can read it. And that's got a rundown of kind of all the, what to me were the top tracks this year, the top records that people should check out. Um, but DJ Sports and DJ Central are sort of ground zero and work your way out from there. Shall we listen to... Let's listen to a little bit of uh, Drive. There we go. that I was pretty obsessed with this year um, is I don't even know kind of how to define it or describe it, but it's, it's what's happening around labels like uh, Liberty sound and time dance and hemlock and Hessel audio. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is the difficulty. It's not a scene, but it almost, it, it's something, but what is it? Right. I, I don't know how, quite how to describe it. I mean, you talk about those labels, talk about people like, Joe and Bruce and Paris and Ploy and people like that, but that's not a very catchy name for a scene, isn't it? People. Um, and what I find interesting about, I mean, it's rooted, or a lot of the labels are rooted in Bristol, although it's not. I don't think it's an exclusively Bristol thing. Um, I think it's interesting because if you start clicking around on their discogs, it's like they're all, all of these figures are all releasing on the same labels, right? I mean, like. Uh, they'll turn up on Hessel, Hessel Audio and then the next month they'll put out a record on Hemlock and then they'll turn up on uh, Time Dance. You know, it's like, it's clearly a social circle. Um, and I guess w there's sort of, when you say like, there's no there there and yet there is a there there. Like, there's no defining characteristic. I mean, you could say it's post dubstep which is a term i think neither of us really like a lot it's uk bass although that's also not very helpful i mean they're basically a lot of people using elements of kind of bass and techno and breakbeats and and jumbling them all up um in very unusual and unexpected ways that's the thing it's sort of unusual slightly strange i mean one of my favorite records of the year which i think fits into this um is the joe record uh, tail lift MPH, which starts off, and we talked about this before, it starts off quite normally, and then it just sort of seems to disintegrate in this weird way. Um, and we were talking about Bruce as well. Um, and I just can I just take a moment and say how much I love that there are artists named 
Joe and <laughs> Bruce. I mean, like there's a real to me there's a real like anti-fame yeah. thing there. It's like you're you're ne- you're not expecting to ever be on the cover of Rolling Stone as a Joe or a Bruce. My uh, project Steve is coming out <laughs> <laughs> early next year, you know. Jared. <laughs> Quite. Um Bruce's I'm Alright Mate, which is another great name for a song. Um, that was one of my tracks of 2016. Because it's just sort of going along normally. And it just breaks down to weird, weird, weird noises. Like grating uh, electronic screams, basically. Yeah, and then this year, um, Bruce... Wait, was that 2016 or 2017? That was 2016. Yeah, and then this year, Bruce's, uh, I believe it was post-rave wrestle got remixed by Mosca, who's who's somebody who who like I really can do no wrong, I think. Uh and just this bizarre clanging kind of post punk oriented um it was quite slow if I if I'm correct. I think it was about 114, 116 BPM. Mosca did a couple things at that tempo. Um just yeah, very strange. Maybe maybe we should play a tiny bit of that. Let's do it. So we're talking about this scene that's not a scene around Hessel and Liberty Sound and Hemlock uh, and Time Dance. Um, some older people, obviously, or more established artists like uh, Pearson Sound and, and Untold and Hodge. Uh, and then new people like Ploy and Batu and Paris uh, and Joe and Bruce, uh, Forest Drive West. Um, yeah, to me, this this was really like one of the most consistently exciting corners of the scene this year. Exactly. When you something arrived from that kind of thing from from Hemlock or something arrived from Liberty Sound, you knew it was going to be good. You knew it was going to be interesting. It's been like a real stamp of quality. And actually, and you had I, no idea what it was going to sound like either. Yeah, one I wanted to mention was Paris um, flowering in threes from Your Kiss Is Sour, which was one of the most enduring sounds of the year like it was sort of really strange i remember listening to it and just sort of out of nowhere came this like this really catchy three note riff which was just like drew me in and i could listen to absolutely loads like because i can't quite understand it if you see what i mean and it really drew me in and i thought that's a fantastic uh song and a fantastic ep I thought that I, I sort of thought that I had Paris nailed down. I, I had, in my mind, he was this sort of like linear, sort of like Forest Drive West or Batu. They have, to, to my mind, a very like long, linear, repetitive kind of thing going on. And then Paris just very recently put out a new record on the trilogy tapes. I think it's called Two Vultures. That was not at all like, like I thought he was in my mind. And it was like there was one track that's kind of dub reggae and just really all over the place. And um yeah, I, I like the fact that I keep being, uh, you know, they keep kind of flipping up my, my expectations. Well, it was great to see such strange things. And actually, some of these were, we were talking about polls earlier, some of them were quite near the top of a few of the polls. Like, I think the Mixmag poll had a few of these win the fact poll as well. Um, and it's great to see such really quite strange music do that. So talking of polls, uh, my I want to talk about my number one track of the year. Um, 
which is Charlotte Gansborg's Deadly Valentine. It was one of those tracks that you hear it the first time, you just press repeat and press repeat and press repeat. And, pre- and I wasn't happy till I heard it about eight times. And then I still went around the house singing, and I love it when songs wow. like that arrive. Um, it's one of those songs that it's, it's produced by Sebastian okay. of, of Ed Banger, whose records I used to really like. They were quite sort of strange, abrasive um, records, awfully quite cut up in a sort of, not exactly Todd Edwards style, but like micro sampling, but again, again, quite an abrasive way. Um, and Charlotte Gansburg, I've really enjoyed her previous uh, solo albums. She had, you know, songs on there written by Air. Um, there was one that had songs by Beck on it. This one, she started songwriting, and she got Sebastian to produce uh, most of it. And basically, you know what a big fan I am of like French Touch E House. <laughs> and it has that. It has that sort of ticking disco drums, the synth riff, and the kind of a bit of filtering. And over the top, it's this brilliant pop song, really dramatic, really kind of like, oh, the world is at an end, but uh, we've still got love. I mean, that's not what it's about at all, but it's uh, it, it just feels like that. And you, I kind of reviewed it, and I, I compared it, to a really good actor, which she obviously is a very good actor, because like it's, she doesn't do that much, but she manages to convey lots of emotion by sort of small inflections of her voice. Huh. And actually, it's one of those songs that I could listen to the instrumental by itself for days on end. But actually, when you add in the vocal, it takes it up a whole nother level, and it's brilliant. And it, it was my track of the year just because it was probably the track I listened to most. I just wanted to keep listening to you know i don't think i heard that album at all even though it was recommended to me and now you're really making me want to uh, to go investigate that listen to that song. i mean the rest of the album's pretty good but that song for me is the the absolute standout let's uh let's give it a tiny bit here Talking of things that were overlooked. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, mine actually is something sort of similar. This was an album that I that I had on uh, my, my wife and my daughter and I had on really constant rotation all year long. Um, a singer named Sophia Kennedy, uh, an American singer based in Hamburg. I believe she works in the theater there. I believe she writes music for the theater, which you can kind of hear in her music. She's, um, she's on uh, DJ Coates' Pampa label. And it's the first sort of singer-songwriter record that Pampa has put out. It was billed that way. Her co-producer is Mensa Reentz, who I want to say was in Ego Express. He's been in a lot of different sort of Hamburg indie electronic and techno projects. Um, but this is just a very odd, um, unusual album. It's singer-songwriterly. There's a lot of storytelling going on. The core of it is kind of like these really blocky piano chords, it's subtly electronic, but not. It, it doesn't feel like electronic music, quote unquote, per se. Um, she's just got an amazing voice. She really sells. Um, she really sells it. Like you were talking about Charlotte Gainsbourg being a great actor. I feel like Sophia Kennedy is also a great actor in that sense. Um, she has really great lines like being special makes being lonely makes you special, but being special makes you lonely too. Um, just great little sort of bon mots, you know? Uh, and I, 
yeah, it, it's a it's a phenomenal record that I didn't see on many lists. Although I did turn a fair amount of people onto it, which made me very happy. Why do you think it was overlooked? Was it? Do you think it was because it was on Pampa, maybe, and people weren't expecting it? Um, maybe for the people that listen to Pampa, it wasn't what they were expecting, and it wasn't what they were looking for. And I also just think there's so much music out there, and I don't think it traveled any further. I I get the sense these days. I mean, I don't remember who did the publicity for it. But, you know, there's just so many, so much music out there. It's so hard to get it in people's ears. And I think if it's not one of the really big names or it doesn't get put on a Spotify playlist that then helps it become massive, I think it just disappears. You know, there was another a singer-songwriter, of really a folk record this year that I was really into, a, a singer named Shannon Lay that Kevin Morby put out on his label um, that I won't really get into here because it's not at all electronic. <laughs> Um, but but it was it was a brilliant record. I mean, by like one of my top three, nobody talked about it. Nobody because it just I, I think I, I think sort of the hierarchy of of what gets talked about is is um, getting more and more rigid. But do you know what? This is one of the reasons why I like end of year polls. And to bring it back to this is because I probably like you. I read a lot of end of year polls, like because I really like them. And what I find is that um, there's almost like a a force that when you see something is mentioned in a lot of them it makes you go back to it or it makes you investigate it for the first time because to be honest there's so much music around this i read so many reviews that even if something gets a really good review you might not listen to it you know because right, like, well, right. it's just not but as if if something is in enough polls if you right. see what i mean i would fact c- is into it and resident advisor is into it and 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 pitchfork is into it you're like oh you know or or npr especially when you get out of sort of the the electronic realm right i mean the when when you start crossing national borders and style borders that's when it gets interesting and there have been two examples of this this year things that i i've sort of have, have pricked my interest but then seeing them lots of polls made me think right i've really got to get into these is kelly lee owens ah yeah who um suddenly seems to have been everywhere suddenly at the end of the year um and octo octa ah interesting which um, which a really great record which um I didn't spend as much time with as I would like to at the time and have been going back to more since I saw it on list. Well, it, it passed me by. But then I saw it on enough list and I was like, oh, actually, no, this sounds like the kind of thing I would really like. Um, and so I'm going to check it out. Kelly Owens as well. The system works, people. In the end, yeah. Uh, I guess that brings us to the end of our 2017. It does indeed. Um, if you were DJing at a party uh, on 31st December... The bells chime. You eat your grapes. That's what they do in Spain. What song would you put on? You know, I think it's going to have to be... Uh, I'm going to go with Regalbao Collective. I'm going to either go with the St. Cava Deeper remix, uh, the DJ C's car version, or um, uh, DJ Central and Erica DeCassier Drive DJ Sports Club mix. Beautiful. Uh, what about you, Ben? I'm going to go for Nabiha Iqbal, Saw You Again. Because at the end of the year, it's one of those songs I've been obsessed with. And it just reminds me of being in clubs when I was 16. So like three years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would just put it on and I would just leave the the decks and just go and have a shuffle in the corner, very happy by myself. And if no one else likes it, I wouldn't care. For those four minutes, I would be in heaven. Well, let's, uh, let's put that on and, and we'll all shuffle out uh, <laughs> together. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Happy New Year. Thank mm-hmm. you.